0: Welcome to the December episode of International Voices. My name is Udo Pflug. I oversee the global program in Arts Missoula, and I am the host and moderator of this podcast series. To listen to episodes from the last two years, please visit artsmissoula.org, click on Global and visit Radio and Podcasts. International Voices is a monthly podcast brought to you through a collaboration of Arts Missoula Global and The Trail 1033. The monthly episodes of 2023 are exclusively sponsored by Orr McDonald Law, advocates for all personal injury, family law, and landlord-tenant matters. In 2023, the International Voices podcast reached a new record in its listenership around the world, with audiences in over 30 countries. I started the International Voices podcast series in February of 2020, and over 40 episodes were recorded so far, featuring many international and multicultural voices from within the United States, as well as individuals who have studied, worked, researched, or lived in locations around the globe, giving them an international perspective as well. I am very happy to have as my guest today, for the last podcast of this year, Christian Moya, a Peruvian music and dance educator now living and working in Missoula. Christian has lived for many years in New York City, surrounded by a large Latino population. When he moved to Missoula with his wife, he was not sure he would find the same sense of community. But he was pleasantly surprised that while the Missoula's Latino community is fairly small, it is thriving. To Christian, listening to music, dancing, while playing percussion instruments is not only important, but it also creates community. Christian, welcome to the International Voices podcast. Christian, thank you so much for your time talking to me for the International Voices podcast. I read that you had an interesting journey to Missoula. You were born and raised in Peru and moved from there to New York. What motivated
1: you to move to New York? Uh, Wow, that's an interesting question. So uh, uh, more than motivation, it was, uh, you know, I was going to school. Like back in my country, I went to college to uh, study hospitality management. So I, you know, usually, you know, on the summer times, you take a break from school like everybody else, right? I decide not to. So I studied that for like two years and a half straight. Okay. Non-break. And then at the end of it, for me to graduate, they asked me to learn three different languages besides Spanish. Oh. So I can graduate, you know? Oh, wow. I know. So I started doing like a little bit of Italian Portuguese, close to Spanish. Right. But of course, the main one, English, right. right? Right. And then I was just to the top. I was too much. So I'm like, you know what? What about I'll take a break. I go to the U.S., I practice my English, and then I'll come back and finish college, right. you know? Right, right. And uh, at that time, uh, a family member, a cousin was living here, and my sister also came to New York. Oh, okay. Like, let's say, a few months before me. Okay, so, I'm so like, there was a connection. It was a, a connection, right? So then I'm like, yeah, sure, Like I'll do that. I go practice my English, sure. I'll visit my family, and sure. then, you know, come back. 22 years later, I'm still here. Wow. <laughs> it, it, it was a funny story. I think, you know, somewhere behind my head, I knew I, I was going to stay. Something right. like it, you know. But, right. of course, showing up and seeing New York, it was just crazy. It was amazing. It's just like, actually, one of my first jobs was right on Times Square, it was on 47th Street. In the heart uh, of New in York. In the heart of New York. So it was like, you wow. know, going every morning toward there, Monday to Friday. I was working there, showing up at 7, 8 in the morning and looking around, it's like, oh my goodness, this is right. amazing. Right. You right. know, so I just started working and, uh, you know, and, uh, and it was fun. It was fun. Uh, but it was hard at the beginning, actually, you know what? Because when I was back in Peru, because of my career, I was studying English. After school in the afternoons, like, right. you know, like right. hardcore English. Sure. Two hours a day, Monday to Friday. Right. Every day. Wow. So, just a question. Yeah.
0: Um, when
1: uh, children go to school in Peru, uh-huh. do they learn foreign languages automatically? Yes. Is yes, that we required? Do. Yes, yes. It's not required, but, like, depends what school you go. Right. But it's just basic English. Oh, okay. And in my case, I was going to a special school right. to study English in the afternoon, two hours, every day, Monday to Friday. So, right. it was a lot. Oh, wow. And I did that for two years. So supposedly, my English was perfect. <laughs> when I show up, my my sister my, and my cousin picked me up at, you know, JFK Airport. Right. And we came back on the train. Right. Oh, my goodness. I went in the train. People talked to me. Like, people were talking on the microphone for the, you know, for the right. train. Stop right. here, open the door. Right? Not a single word right. I could pick up. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I just waste my two years of my life, supposedly studying English and learning, and I didn't get it. So
0: I can relate to that, Christian, because going to school in Germany, uh-huh. I had six years of English. So go. I yeah. thought,
1: oh, that's going
0: to be easy mm-hmm. to go to an American university and study. Yeah. Uh-huh. When I came to Missoula in 1989, uh-huh. and I was sitting in my first lecture, I actually was questioning what language <laughs> the professor was speaking. <laughs> now, in my defense, the professor was from a southern state, from Alabama, okay. and I think that that contributed yeah. to you know, the difficulty of, of, of hearing right. because okay. of a very heavy southern accent, mm-hmm. but I can totally relate I because know. you think you know the language exactly, because you've studied yes. it, right. and then all of a sudden you sit somewhere and you try yeah. to follow a conversation and you go, this is Crazy! Why I, am I not understanding?
1: And you feel frustrated, you know? I'm like, you oh feel frustrated. I, I thought, you know, I could have a conversation. I couldn't. Right. I couldn't, and I was like, I mean, right. you know, New York there's a lot of Latinos around. You can speak Spanish, but when you, you know, get with like right. native right. New right. York people, right, it was almost impossible to understand.
0: That would be my next question, and that's a perfect sort of segue into the next question: Is yeah. are there Peruvian communities in? in New York that
1: you connected to? Oh, big. Big? Big Peruvian community there. Yes, it, it's a lot of Peruvian. I mean, I, I lived in uh, Queens, in okay. New York. Right. And I always like, it's a funny story, it's like, if if you hear somebody in Queens speaking English, they don't belong to Queens. <laughs> <laughs> because it's Honestly, so multicultural. It is amazing. and I know, like, you know, maybe 30, 40 years ago, it was like Italians and Irish. Right. They were like, you know, right. yep. in the whole area of Queens. But the past, 10, 20 years is like all from Latin America wow. in that area of Queens Jackson Heights uh, Woodside and Astoria you know that area close right. to the, to the right. island and uh, yeah it was easy like it was too easy for us you know that was the thing like a lot of people like me at the beginning Right. I just used to like go out and hang out with Latino people and speaking Spanish all the time and uh, you know it's just like simple Right. so right. it doesn't push you to like learn English, right? and right. go to look for different jobs, right. you're already comfortable there, and that is a big problem. And I remember
0: yeah. when I came here, um, a foreign student advisor at the university said, oh Udo, there's like a handful of Germans, you should connect to them. And I'm thinking, that may be counterproductive actually to what I'm trying to do, because exactly. I'm not here to speak German right. or to meet other Germans because well I left Germany mm-hmm. and so right. I'm actually more interested in meeting Americans <laughs> and Montanans and you know right. learning about their way uh-huh. of life and learning about their language. But I think you're right it naturally one connects to one's own group. Exactly. And then you actually speak that language more than you would English, because why would you speak a foreign language in your own cultural group? And right. so after a while, it's, like it's almost counterproductive, it's not as comforting as it may be, right? Yeah. but it had the other effect.
1: Yeah, How
0: long did you live in New York?
1: Uh, well, like I said, I of course you never forget that date, you know, I got to New York September the 22nd of 1999, <laughs> that is a day I will never forget. And uh, so that makes it like about 22 years. 22 years. 22 years. It's 1999. Wow, it's a long way. (laughs) So
0: now I have to ask the follow up question that probably listeners are wondering about. Uh When you live in New York for 22 years, what would make you come to a much smaller city like Missoula?
1: Well, uh, (laughs) following the previous questions, you know, like, I was only in Queens with friends, right. only speaking Spanish. Right. One day with my friends, we were like, you know what? We're done with this. We need to go to the city. We, in New York, we call it the city Manhattan, right. you know? Right. E- even though Queens belongs to the city, right. but we always call Manhattan that city. So like, it's time for us to go hang out there and meet new people or English-speaking people, you right. know? Right, right. So we went there, and voila, I met my wife. <laughs> and she is from Missoula. Come on. Uh, well, actually, no. Okay, Let, let's let's Seriously. Meet, let's be a little deeper. Sure. She is actually bo- she was born in Belarus. Okay. Okay. But they moved here when she was seven years old. Okay. To so, Missoula. To Missoula. Okay. Straight to Missoula. Okay. Because they they belong to a church and the church helped them to settle here. Sure. So so they consider themselves Missoulians, Montanans. Okay. You know, okay. like when you ask them. Right. They say, well, "Where are you from?" Montana. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. So so I met her and you know we. I would start dating for almost a year. We got married. was everything so quick. And since day one, she always said, one day I want to come back to Missoula ah, to live there okay. and to be close to my parents and okay. enjoy my parents. Okay. So we got together. We got married. And, uh, you know, we always visit at least once a year. Right. You know, but it wasn't the same. No. You know, so after almost 15 years married, you know, she's like, okay, it is about time. <laughs> you Right. Know? So, you know, I, I understood, you know. She was sure. away from family. I have a sister in New York. My mother used to come to visit us from, from okay. Peru to New York once a year at least. Okay. So it was more like my family than hers, you know. Sure, sure. So I was like, yeah, like, I guess I'll give it to her, you know. Right. I, ha- I, ha- I have to give it to her. Right. So I'm like, right. okay, sure, let's, let's do a change, you know. Now, now it's time for you to enjoy the family and to our kids also enjoy your parents and so that was the main reason I moved to Missoula. Yeah? I see, okay, because that of makes a lot way.
0: sense. Because of love. <laughs> That's right, yes. <laughs> That's always a good reason. Uh, yes. Um, Christian, the first time I heard your name, was in connection to Latin Nights mm-hmm. last June in Missoula. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Latin Nights project and what that was all about, or yeah, is all about if it continues? I don't know. Yes,
1: it, of course, it, yes, it's like okay. it, it's in full swing. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. So so once again, coming from New York, Latinos, salsa <laughs> music, and all Latin music, you know. Right. When I came here, I was a little sad, you know, because I'm like, oh my gosh, a small town. No Latino community, right. no music, right. which I had over there like 24 right. 7, you know, dancing and everything. Sure. So when I came here, the first thing I did was went to Facebook, found salsa music dancing and football, real football. Right, played <laughs> so, with a <the> foot. Exactly. <laughs> so I found this community by the university. Right, that they play football like once a week. Right, at the at the gymnastics in the university. What's the name? Uh, uh,
0: yeah, um, I know what you mean. Yes. Okay. So I'm drawing a
1: blank right now yeah, too, but. yeah. Well, that gym at the university. Right. 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 So I met these like young like guys from college, from uh-huh. from a school, from around the area. They play really good. Right. And you know, we got together. Right. And on the other hand, I found this lady called Jennifer Corbin. Mm-hmm. and she's been in town I mean she's, in, she's from here mm-hmm. and she's been doing Latin events for the past 20 years in town huh. I know exactly I was the same way I'm like wow surprise amazing I need to contact her so I found out that she was giving dance lessons at the western at the, no what is that the West Side Theater okay. so I went to see her I'm like I have to find out what's going on so, yeah, we met, and uh, it's, it's amazing the job she's doing, and uh, it was, you know, still after COVID, so all her events was still not going, all canceled. Right. And then, uh, you know, I met her. She's very nice, and uh, she asked me if we can work together on, like, bringing the Latin events back. Sure. And I'm like, of course, I can do it. I, well, that's what I've been looking for. Right. So, she does these events at our horse. Like uh, Latin nights once uh, once a month, okay, and uh, and I help her doing that. I play some live percussion,
0: oh nice, and she
1: does. She gives she gives uh, dance lessons, uh-huh. and, uh huh, and we make it happen. Nice, yes, and seeing that I found out thanks to her that the Latino community is growing here. Oh nice, and I met a lot of people from different other countries, from sure. Panama, Colombia, Puerto Rico, and uh, we actually building a a small family in town <laughs> so latin nights is gaining momentum oh it and is. it's
0: becoming more and more known
1: for sure among yes. the community yes and besides the dog horse on the summer times we also do it at the parks outdoors oh yes oh, so nice. so yeah it's pretty nice and it's it's uh, besides the Latino community, oh, sure. also the local people is responding. Sure. And they are showing up and, oh, you yeah. know, I always joke about, like, what about we give country a little break, you know, right, right. <laughs> and try some salsa, merengue, bachata, and uh, and people is actually responding to it, and uh, I really I really love that, you know. <laughs> oh, it's very nice. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Now, I would like to
0: learn a little bit more about your work as a musician. You yes. just said you, mm-hmm. you play right. percussion. Yes. Um, in uh, in Latin nights and... and uh,
1: how important is music to you and your daily life as oh, a musician? Right. Okay. So, first of all, I don't like to call myself a musician because, you know, I'm a music lover, which is different. That cause, works. Because musicians, you know, usually they study music and they have this, you know, kind of complex language. Sure. You know, I love music. I, I listen to music and I play by it. Okay. that's all. You know, I, like, I don't count or anything. I just feel it. So that's why I call myself a, mus- a music lover. Musician is too complicated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes, I play the congas or whatever drumming situation is. And, uh, and uh, I don't know, since I, wa- since I grew up, you know, m- my family was big in- back in Peru. And since I remember, we had these like get togethers. It was like more than 30 or 40 people in my family, getting together at my grandparents' house. 30 or 40 yes, people? Yes, yes. Wow. Like between uncles and aunts and cousins. Sure. And it was like family parties. It was one of the things that I remember the most about Peru and back in the days of my family. It was amazing. It was amazing. And the I remember is like salsa music right? and all kind of music and dancing and everything. And I think since that day and let's say five, six years old, I remember that and it's just like Gives me goosebumps, you know. And you I had feel. me
0: at 30, 40 people because I'm an only child, and I have both of my parents uh, still live in Germany. Right. And that's the family. Three oh, people. Wow. So anybody that has more than five or seven family members, <laughs> let alone thirty or forty, has my attention because I'm no, just no. fascinated. Yeah,
1: it, it was amazing. It's one of the, the best days of my life. You know, they have to remember those days. You right. Know? So yeah, since that day, I remember, it's music, it's it's been in my life. It's just, right. it's just constant, you know, like listening and dancing and all that. And, uh.
0: But I mean, it's one thing, Christian, if, and I would consider myself a music lover too. I, right. I love to listen to music, classical music, right. you know, but I cannot play an instrument. Okay, and so yeah. what made you interested in picking up the skill? of playing an instrument because it's one thing to listen to music
1: right yeah but it's
0: another to say I want to be part of that I want to not just be a a, a listener but I want to be a participant
1: how I don't know I think I just love it so much and I wanted to do it I'm like I see I saw it around me and I'm like I want to try it right so I just went and bought my own instruments and I started and I guess I had something in me, you know, and I sure. started doing it and whatever I go, I carry my instruments, open in the back of my car, play music. people comes around, they start singing, making a community. Sure. It was awesome it, it was I mean until today that 's what I do
0: right <laughs> How important is music to Peruvians and Peruvian culture as far as um, events festivities is there always music involved
1: yes for example that's, that's the difference right there you know a lot of people tell me like especially with salsa music only you know they see that I know a lot about it and they tell me like wait where are you from are you from Peru oh you like salsa you know like people don't think of salsa comes from the Caribbean you know Caribbean right. music so it, salsa it's not Peruvian music at all I mean we like it but sure. it's not. It's not native from Peru. Sure, we have different music down there. Like, it's it's hard to explain because you know a lot of people don't even know what it is or how it is. It's called Huayno, or Marinera, or uh, Lando. It's it's just.
0: And those are music styles, you sti- would say. Yes, styles. Okay.
1: Very unique from Peru. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. So. Uh, and, of course, I grew up with that, too. Sure. You know, and, like, I even talked to a lot of, even with Peruvians, with, like, my same age or a little younger. Right. They don't even know about it. Huh. Yes. Yeah, it's it's well, like, interesting. It's like, I always say to all my friends, like, me, I am the last generation, I think, from of Peru that is going to know about that music. Oh, I mean, of course, right. I know it's sad. I mean, I know there are exceptions, but mostly it's like these days people just just want different kind of music. You know, it's just...
0: So cultural preservation and music preservation, mm. obviously then is an important topic it Because is a
1: topic and if heart, young yeah.
0: people are listening to different music styles yes. and are neglecting their own cultural music background, like you said, mm-hmm. it takes one generation right, and there's no connection anymore exactly so, yes. what is done? what do you know um, that is done to prevent that from happening in Peru. Are there measures to get oh, yes. young people? Yes,
1: for sure. I see a lot of like dance schools and ah, instrumental okay. schools trying okay. to bring these new generations into you know still remembering this old style music and preserve it and play it and dance it. So yeah Peru is doing a, a good job on that. Yes.
0: Now the rich musical heritage that consists of instruments and styles that are passed down by the Incas, the Spanish and even show influences from a variety of African cultures. Does Peruvian music also incorporate new instruments and combine them with folk instruments? Is there sort of a fusion that you've seen? Because what's happening interest-wise, like you just said, young people are listening to other music from other cultures, does that influence the the instrument choice as well? Is there a combination?
1: Uh, it's kind of hard. For example, like, you know, the old school instruments in Peru, for example, are like like a flute. Right. But it's called a kena. Okay. So it's the same idea with the holes, but right. it's like, you know, the ancient instrument. You sure, know? sure. Or like, I don't know how they call the pipes.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, like pan flute. Pan That's flute,
1: what? yes. Yeah. Okay, we call it kena. Okay. O antara, or zampoña. So it's like very old school, like first, a crazy one is like the jaw of a donkey that's used as an instrument by the old slaves that came to Peru and that's an instrument now there, yeah? And you still see bands playing down there and they use it you know, it's just like they lose the teeth and they knock on the jaw and it sounds like tss, tss, and it's an instrument too How oh, interesting yeah. and, uh, and to fusion that too with, you know, new instruments these days it's I mean it's possible right but I, I don't I don't see it so much yeah yeah. Huh. yeah
0: while the podcast that we are recording is the December episode it was recorded in November and November is Native American and indigenous heritage month the native people of Peru have managed to preserve and develop their unique culture despite centuries of outside influence How does contemporary Peruvian art reflect that cultural preservation?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, we had a very hard time, let's say, like 20 years ago. Uh, Like, we were not so proud of our culture. I don't know. People was just like, uh, you know, like, we we just don't, don't follow our culture, our music. Okay. Just in the past, let's say 20 years something happened something clicked on the peruvian mentality and now everybody as you can see in the news peruvian culinary it's all over the world right and then uh, peru.com you can see everywhere can visit peru and you know we have a beautiful country right so now i, I see a, a big difference like i don't know it's if it hard to say nationalism right but uh but pride but in pride, okay. pride okay. Okay. I in think that's a better word pride yes
0: pride, pride. in their own culture Right, so, yes. so you would say peruvians now are taking more pride in their culture than they did just a couple of oh, decades ago oh yes
1: last. a lot more It's completely noticeable yeah it's very big yeah
0: and i would think that that in itself builds community and that brings us back to <laughs> <Next time>. to <laughs> the beginning of our y- conversation yes. today and that was latin nights and mm-hmm. the idea of when you bring a lot of people together that like to listen to a certain kind of music or right. dance a certain kind of style, you are building community. How important is building community to you, especially in a
1: place like Missoula, where you don't have a big natural mm. community? Right, yes. I don't know. I'm, I'm a people's person, always. You know, like even my wife tells me like, oh my gosh, whatever you go, you make friends. I'm like, <laughs> can you stay home? <laughs> yeah, but it's just, I mean, it's me, it's me. I like to be connected with people it doesn't matter where they come from. I'm, not, I'm not even talking only about Latinos. I'm talking about everybody, you know? Like, always right. talking to them about, well, mainly my, what I think, what I like, you know? Right. Sports and music, sure. <laughs> you know? Sure. And those always, you know, opens a, a bigger umbrella of, you know, conversation and connection with other people. So, yeah, communities, it's, you know, it, it's great, you know? Like, meeting new people is, is the best thing that can happen in the world, sure. you know?
0: And it must give you a lot of... Um, stability too because you're outside of Peru and so you don't have that natural culture embracing mm-hmm, you and, right. and in a way perhaps comforting you or, yeah. or securing you, Exactly. so having that community outside of Peru must be a
1: very comforting thing. Of course, yes, I think that's what it is, yes. <laughs>
0: What are some unique Peruvian traditions and customs that are important to you that you celebrate with your family today that are that are not part of American culture but where you say this is important back at home and I yeah. want to continue that.
1: Right, yeah. For example, like I was talking about now how Peruvians are so proud about their country. Right. For example, the last one, Halloween day, we're trying to, I mean, uh, it was, in s- around maybe like 40 years ago, 31st of October, we celebrate the day of Peruvian folk music. Okay. We don't celebrate Halloween. <laughs> so, you know, that day we have these celebrations all around Peru playing the guitar. Playing El Cajon, which is a box, okay. like you know, coming from Spain, like Flamenco Cajon, uh-huh. but we make it ours. It's a Peruvian one. Sure. And uh, and we celebrate that. So that's a big celebration for me. For example, I always have this discussion with my wife, like, no, I'm not going to Halloween, I'm going to celebrate <laughs> my folk <full> Peruvian music. <laughs> so, you know, right. Yeah, but that, that's one of them. That's the last one that just passed. We have all the celebrations, like, uh, very religious. Peru is a very religious country so a lot of them are like around that. Largely Roman Catholic, correct? Exactly, yes. Right. So we have like uh anti celebration in Cusco, which is really big. Uh, we have uh, the Purple Christ, which is a very unique Peruvian theme, but we also have it in New York. Sure. Like we paralyze Midtown Manhattan and we have a procession from St. Patrick's Cathedral to Ninth Avenue and we cross all the island and it's big, it's like... All Peruvians come from every state and come to follow that. Oh, it's, wow. It's a big tradition, big celebration. And my parents and my grandparents used to follow that. And uh, it's just like automatic celebration for me. Like October comes and it just clicks in my head. Sure. You know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Are
0: there some traditions and customs that happen in the spring? Now we were talking more about sort of fall. Uh-huh. But is there something that you celebrate that, that originated in the spring? In the
1: spring? Um, or in the summer? See, summer. Like, we do carnival. Oh, okay. Yes, but no like, you know, carnivals like U.S., like, you know, with rights. No, no, we call it carnival like playing with water. Right. Yes, and we do that all February, the whole okay. month. Okay. We just go out there and uh, we just play with water like crazy and uh, everybody on the streets and... Uh, it looks very festive, yes, that that's very unique also from, not only from Peru, pretty much all Latin America. I know in yeah. Brazil it's very big. Right, yeah. yeah, well that's the biggest. Right, right, <laughs> but the it's biggest. similar to yeah, uh, in the idea. Yeah, in a right. smaller idea, but yes. And um, that would
0: also of course involve lots of music and dancing naturally. Yes, yes,
1: yes. And of course, my own, on, a, on a more personal note, uh, my parents are also from the mountains, so we have a unique celebration there. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I didn't like it because you know it was too traditional. You know, right. it's like, you know how we were with kids. You know, we're like sure. naive. We don't sure. know things. We're like, oh, people from the mountains. You know, they don't know anything. But then once you grow up, right, you start to learn and appreciate that. So you would say there are
0: different cultural uh, groups in Peru. There is a, a mountain culture. There is a. Coast, a coastal yes, culture, yes, that's, oh, it's and that's crazy. quite different.
1: It's so many. We have like three marked regions in Peru. It's like the coast, right? And then the Andes, of course, right? And then passing that, you have the jungle of Peru, which is a completely different world. The Amazon. The Amazon, yes, uh-huh. like close to Brazil. Right. And it's like personally, I don't even know much about it. Like you, I say, I can say I know Peru, I don't. I maybe I know sixty percent of it. Okay, and that area is just. A compl- completely different planet. Sure. It's amazing. Sure. But the celebration that I was talking about was just like a very unique, old school tradition. If still the people still dress on the always, right? You know, like sandals and dirt and, you know, skirts and special hats. And they dance around a tree and bring it down with an axe. And of course, a lot of drinking. <laughs> but, you know, and then, uh, you know, like chewing coca leaves and, you know, what the Incas used to do, you Right, know? right. And we do that every year in Peru still. And it's like like I was telling before, oh, I was saying o- before, a lot of people don't even know that exists. Right.
0: Talk about cultural preservation yes, right there.
1: And I, my parents used to take me there every year. And it's just something amazing that is just unique. Unique. Well
0: I find it interesting because I wasn't aware of the three sort of areas, coastal Andes Mountains and then uh rainforest. And ra- rainforest there you go, that yeah. that there are those three yeah, and, and they're very and
1: unique. Very unique and marked, yes. Uh huh.
0: Do people oftentimes switch though in within those three cultural categories, if you will, or areas or regions, or do they when they're born and raised in one and they have family traditions. Do they stay in? So if you're if you're raised in a coastal uh-huh. Peruvian culture, right? Do do you stay in that, or can you can you move to another one?
1: Oh. Is, or is that? No, you can. You, you can. can. It's like especially these days, you know. Like everybody, you know, the big cities are like so centric that right. you know everybody. Oh, the big city is where the more opportunities are. Sure. So they just come, and that creates. So like moving a big, between
0: these is perfectly fine. Yes, it's and lots of people fun, do yes. it. Okay. Uh, Yes, let's talk a little bit about food because um, no, not right now. It's the time. (laughs) (laughs) I and that's true. It's it's a a little bit few minutes before noon. But um, I read once that, and and as a German, um, I love uh, meat and potatoes. And um, I read once that the potato was actually discovered in Peru. Mm-hmm. and has been cultivated in Peru for thousands of years. And when we, as Germans, or I'm pretty sure many Americans, think of a potato, we think of a yellowish, hand-sized um, vegetable that uh, varies a little bit in size, perhaps, but it's always that, yellowish and uh, or reddish, and that's it. And I read that there is a huge amount of diversity within potatoes. And some potatoes don't even look like potatoes, but they are long and they look like carrots, (laughs) but they are potatoes and they're white and red and all kinds of, purple Mm. and all kinds of colors. Um, So that's why I'm fascinated with a, a country that has, that can claim that the potato goes back to their original, you know, historical farmland and their farming practices. I find that fascinating because the potato is everywhere in the world. It's not like one regional thing anymore. So I'm just fascinated with food. So Peru is known for those, for that delicious and and diverse cuisine. Some of the country's most famous dishes, aside from the potato, uh, ceviche, uh, a dish made from fresh fish marinated in lemon juice and spices. Um, Oh, and I see your face. There there, there seems to be some longing for that (laughs) right now. Um, How are you dealing with the fact that Missoula does not have a Peruvian restaurant? And do you do these dishes at home with your wife? Uh, And and is that something that's difficult, easy?
1: It is really hard. That's one of of the hardest things. it's, It's just... I can't even have words to explain that because you know once again in New York is so many Latinos, so many Peruvians, so many restaurant options. Right. Like you can find where I was living, I can find like around twenty to thirty Peruvian restaurants only in the area of Queens, where you you live. Yes. Wow. I know exactly. That's a big wow. So I'm like, uh, (laughs) okay, that was easy. You know, I can wake up one day, go, buy it, bring it home, and that's it. Right here is a different story. <laughs> it's, it's hard. I think the closest that I already did the trip, I went to uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh. I found a Peruvian restaurant there. In Portland? <laughs> In Portland, yes. And uh, was it very authentic? It was authentic, yes. It was really good. Actually, I tried it like about 10 years ago. Okay. One of the first times. And then I came back last year again. And uh, it's a very nice, fancy Peruvian restaurant. A little pricey, but really good flavor. Sure. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. but, yeah, yeah, it's a big struggle here, actually, um uh, yeah. this restaurant right next, right here in uh, what is it called Perugia, Huh? Perugia, no, 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 guilds, no Pangea, oh Pangea, Pangea. that's what I meant yeah, Pangea. That one, yeah, right, so I, we went there once and I found on the menu one Peruvian dish, oh, I'm like, oh my goodness, amazing, <laughs> hallelujah, <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, they did a really good uh effort on that. I'll try it, it wasn't bad, right. Sadly, I just found out two days ago that uh, they had a new chef, a new menu, and they took the dish out of there. I'm like, oh, no, come on. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, it was a good try. And then, uh, well, yes, yes, I, I try my best to cook this at home. Of course, there's no fresh fish around here. <laughs> so I go to Costco or any other stores to buy my freshest fish, I guess right. I can say. Right. And uh, I actually make my own. I actually make my own ceviche. Oh! I know. Tell uh, me, how
0: do you make that? I, I'm just curious. Uh,
1: I'm gonna start salivating right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you need fresh
0: fish, obviously.
1: Obviously, of course. Here's hard. But, and the you know, fresher, I, the I, better. I, for sure. Yes. So it's just it's it's a very basic but delicious dish. It's like fish, red onions, cilantro, some special Peruvian spices, mm-hmm. and lime. Everything cooked on lime juice. That's okay. all. Okay. The and the ra- lime juice itself basically cooks It's the what fish. it cooks. Yes. Yes. A lot of people like it like very cooked. Yes. I like it raw. Okay. I like it like cook it with the lime juice for like 5 minutes and that's it. And oh wow. My wife in the other hand she likes it to like leave it cooking for at least half a day. I'm like, no, that fish is too chewy already.
0: <laughs> so, so that um, makes it very flavorful, then, if you, if
1: you don't cook it all the way. Um, but Right, you- very flavorful, yes. And we use this like Peruvian spices called rocoto, aji amarillo, yellow pepper, which actually I can find in some stores here in town. So that's a little more helpful for me to do that. And uh, yes, my wife also helped me trying different dishes. She actually bought a cookbook, a Peruvian cookbook, and she tries a couple of them. And, uh, oh, Nice. I'll give it to her, (laughs) she tries. (laughs) Sure, sure. Yes, yes.
0: And I, I could imagine that this is probably difficult because in many countries and cultures the local cuisine is becoming more international, often through global fast food chains that are moving in and that are adding pressure to the local cuisine. How important is traditional Peruvian cuisine in Peru and to the people? of Peru. So in other words, do a lot of people go to fast food restaurants, or do they still say, we want Peruvian
1: cuisine because we are in Peru? Exactly, yes. Like I said before, Peruvians now are so proud of their country. Right, right. They don't care about McDonald's, Burger King or anything like that. Everybody oh. goes, even if, you know, street food Interesting. is one of the best. Right. You can see every corner in Peru serving Peruvian food, and that's what they do. Right. Like, uh, you know, this is a funny story. Before I met my wife, I never tried any other food besides Peruvian. Oh. Never tacos, uh-huh. never Mexican, uh-huh. never sushi, ever. Right. Once I met her, right. I started like, learning Venturing all this. Out. Yes. Now, and you know, at the beginning, she was complaining. She's like, all you do is Peruvian food. I'm like, of course, it's the best in the world. What else am I gonna go? Sure. <laughs> yeah, try a little bit. Okay, sure, I did try. But yes, we are very proud of our cuisine. It's, uh, it's, it's delicious and, uh, and yeah, yeah, all Peru. like. Prefers to eat even spend a little more because Provençal cuisine is a little expensive. Sure, but they prefer to do that instead of like trying another, other, other food.
0: Right. I think yeah. that's very nice to hear that that even the next generation, the young generation, is is keenly aware of their own cultural background, and that they're saying we'll stick with that. Yeah. And we're not sort of pushing this away for the benefit of eating something that goes quick right or something that is cheaper or whatever but exactly. that people
1: say mm, yeah
0: let's stay with the tradition let's right. stay with the culture
1: yeah like for example this last year like uh in, there's an atlas food award uh four peruvian restaurants are in that top ten in the best restaurants in the world wow four of them so it's like that kind that Th- that that of proves something, something. Right? That's yes, right. That's sure. right yes for sure
0: well and i think the, the international recognition that you get on a global scale when you ha- when you win awards like this uh-huh. brings attention to people that probably would've never tried Peruvian exactly, food to yes. say, well if they're getting uh, four Atlas awards probably I should try it, right, probably yes, I should find out. Yes. And I have to admit I never had Peruvian food. Uh, growing up in Germany I don't think um, where I grew up, in the next bigger city, mm-hmm. that there was a Peruvian restaurant. I don't recall. Wow. And then, for the last 30 years,
1: <laughs> uh-huh. I've lived here, okay. and we know here there isn't one, okay. so
0: I never had the opportunity, but it sounds really interesting. Wow, we're going to have
1: to get together. I'll cook some ceviche for you. <laughs> sounds wonderful.
0: Um, do you have the opportunity to go back? Uh, To Peru Do Uh, you need that? Do you
1: need, yes You always need that Yes (laughs) But you know Reality tells you something else You know Like I said I've been already here for 24 And I've been back three times Okay Three times Yeah The first uh, At the beginning was hard Because you know I decided to stay Sure And the immigration status Was a problem So I have to like Fix that problem And then after that I came back to Peru After 10 years And it was also a shock a cultural shock already. Oh, I've been right. living in the U.S. for 10 years. Right, right. Like a simple example is like crossing a street on a stop sign.
0: Sure. You
1: can do it. Peruvian drivers don't care about that. Right. They just run you over. Right, <laughs> right. And then you realize it's like how you're living in a different world already. Oh, sure. You know, and... Uh,
0: well, and I think you're bringing up a good point, and that is that you can actually be shocked by your own culture, sort of this reverse culture shock. It, if you have lived somewhere else for a longer time, Uh huh and you have become so accustomed to the new culture going back to your own culture even though you grew up in it and you think you know it but coming back is almost a reverse culture shock and you have to get used to your own old ways of of living again and i have that sometimes when i go back to germany
1: and it was and and the saddest part was like you know i went there for two weeks and a week and a half i kind of felt like okay i'm ready to go back home and for me to say that and think that it was so sad. I was like almost ready to cry just thinking that, you know. Right. Of, right now I'm like about to tear up because for me right. to say that is so sad, you know, like I'm ready to go home. I'm like, what home? This is right. It's but I a think prove
0: something and that is that your heart and your family and your surroundings are here because you live here and so it is your home, yes. away from uh, away, home,
1: Exactly. Yes. but it, it, it was, I can totally relate yeah. because... And it was hard, yeah, and, and that was when, you know, I still didn't have a family, you know, and now with kids, it's right. a completely different story, completely you know, different. it's like, that's it, this is it, this is home, right. you know, this right. is where my kids are growing. so my kids go to school, this is it for me, sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, it would be awesome for me to go back to Peru and stay right. longer than two weeks. Oh, sure. But. Uh, you yeah, know it's just it's six tickets now it's a different story
0: <laughs> well I um yeah I mean I w- we try to go to Germany every couple of years um, but I admire somebody that has sort of a seven year on average seven years in between you said 21 22 years and you've been back three times so mm-hmm. that makes an average of seven years right. I mean that is that is tough it is to
1: tough, yeah. to uh,
0: I mean Two years, three years can be difficult, but seven years—I admire that—in yeah. a person to to be able to manage that yeah. because that is not yeah. easy, especially yeah. if you still have family exactly at home.
1: And yeah, I mean that was the easy part because you know my mother used to come to visit us every year. Right. So that was the easy part. You sure. know, like why am I going to go there if I can bring her here and oh, she can sure. stay longer? Right. So that was easy. Right. But. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's hard because you know, like you know, France. It's it's a different. It's more family, you know. Like and see your culture, oh, and see your people. Right. Even though it's different, they change. But but at the end, it's your country, you know, and you feel something special for it.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> In preparing for this interview, Christian, I read that Machu Picchu, uh, the fifteenth fifteenth uh, century Inca settlement situated on a mountain ridge around 8,000 feet above sea level is one of the main reasons for tourists to visit Peru. When they survey people and they say, what was your main reason? I guess that's what a lot of people say is going to see Machu Picchu. What other attractions would you advise visitors to see when they're in Peru?
1: Wow, yeah, there are so many out there. Well, Well, like I told you before, I went to school for hospitality management right. and, and tourism. Right. So every year, we used to make a trip to a different part of Peru as a study trip. Sure. You know? And it was amazing. They took us to different places like, you know, we never knew we were going to be, you know, and, right. uh, and open our eyes. You know, as a kids, we were like, we were 16, 17. Right. You know, thinking that Lima, the capital, was the center of the world and that's it. Right. And then they, took us to this amazing place in Peru, you know, like, I mean, I can name some of them like Chan Chan, like some ruins by the coast or the na- famous Nazca Lines uh-huh. that you can see only if, if you like fly over them. Those are amazing. Like, you know, nobody knew how they were able to do it. Them- and then uh, we have, of course, in the mountains beside Machu Picchu, we have a uh, lot other, other, other more ruins maybe by the Incas, you right. know. And that north or the south, uh, we have a Lake Titicaca, which right. is amazing too. It's you the know. Hi- isn't
0: it the highest lake
1: in yes. the world yes. as far as uh-huh. elevation, yeah. and you can still navigate on it? Yes, the highest navigable lake, lake. in the world. Yes. Right, that's, right. that's right. what it is. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then... Uh, and I've
0: heard of salt, my, uh, salt uh, farming in Peru as well. That uh-huh. is apparently a big...
1: Yes, that is in Cusco, too. I don't recall the name right now, but it's also around there. It's like unlimited places, like still to be discovered. Right. Like, let's say, like maybe 10 years ago, they, call, they discovered a new ruins called Choquequirao Ruins. And they dated back to the Greek Empire... Or like Roman Empire, so like older, wow, older than those. Yes. So it's just they're still working on it, it's excavating and everything. So it's just like so many places in there still to be discovered. And, and,
0: and then there's the massive. the entire um, Amazon region. Oh, that, Obviously, that's, that's completely is completely <laughs> completely untouched. Yes. And I just I've, every so often I read uh, of. Uh, you know, of a discovery of an animal, of a species that yeah. was previously not even known. I know. And researchers go, well, we found a new bug or a new butterfly or a new yeah. something from exactly. the Amazon yeah. that just exists in one region and was previously not discovered. So, yeah. I'm sure that
1: exactly, yeah. that
0: holds a lot of still, um, well, areas to be discovered, like oh, you said. Oh,
1: yes. it's amazing. To travel around Peru, it's awesome. <laughs>
0: Is there an aspect of Peruvian culture or traditions or customs you would like to talk about that we did not cover
1: in our conversation so far? Anything that you'd like to share? Well, like, a, well, we talk about this, but it's just like something that stayed with me, you know, since I was young, and that my parents taking me to these celebrations in the mountains, mm-hmm. that, is, that is something unique, you know, that is that can't compare to anything else for me oh sure you know, talking oh, sure. about on a personal note right because I'm sure there's a lot more other that the Peru can offer but, but that one is just like those childhood it's, memories it's just like exactly it's just taking me so deep into my childhood and like pretty much sometimes when I'm like listening to music by myself or driving it just comes back to me it's just like going to the mountains free nothing to worry about you right. know listening to music celebrating seeing what ancient Peru is about right that's just like something that is going to stay with me forever you know especially that
0: well thank you for your time today christian and for being my guest on the international voices podcast i really
1: enjoyed it perfect thank you for having me thank you
0: thank you for listening to the december podcast of international voices my guest was peruvian music and culture educator christian moya the 11 monthly episodes in 2023 were exclusively sponsored by Orr McDonnell Law in Missoula, advocates for all personal injury, family law, and landlord-tenant matters. In 2023, the International Voices podcast reached a new record in its listenership around the world, with listeners in over 30 countries. I would like to take a minute to thank all of those listeners for their support of the podcast in the past four years. I started the International Voices podcast series in February of 2020, and over 40 episodes were recorded so far, featuring many international and multicultural voices from within the United States, as well as individuals who have studied, worked, researched, or lived in locations around the globe, giving them an international perspective as well. Some of our guest highlights included interviews with international scientists, internationally renowned plant and community ecologist and Regents professor at the University of Montana, Dr. Ray Calloway, Dr. Volker Racholt, geochemist from the Alfred Wegner Institute in Germany, Dr. Ulrich Kamp, glaciologist from the University of Michigan in Dearborn, Dr. Sajubai Patel, neuroscientist, president and co-founder of Fire Diagnostics in Missoula. Three episodes focused on food as cultural diplomacy with culinary artists from Syria, Iraq, and local chefs from the Big Sky Culinary Institute. Resettled international refugee students from Burundi, Syria, and the Democratic Republic of the Congo attending Hellgate High School in Missoula, and international and undergraduate and graduate students from the Philippines, Romania, France, and Japan attending the University of Montana. I was honored to have national and international Indigenous leaders on the podcast as well. Native American leaders Letitia Buck Elk Thunder and Deisha Griego, co-founders of Indigenous Made Missoula. New Zealand Maori chief Te Aveyave, and his wife Trieste Teaveave. Anita Lucchesi, founder and executive director of the Sovereign Bodies Institute, and Michelle Guzman, director of American Indian Student Services at the University of Montana. The podcast also featured city and country government representatives, such as the members of the 2023 delegation from Missoula's sister city, Palmerston North, in New Zealand, and Daniel Boknar, from Germany's Ministry of Education, located in Wiesbaden, Germany. As well as national and international artists and music educators were also featured on International Voices. Maestro Julia Tai, born and raised in Taiwan and the conductor of the Missoula Symphony Orchestra and Chorale. Christian Moya, of course, Peruvian music educator from Missoula, Willow Kipp, Montana artist and environmental researcher, Missoula film, TV, and stage actor Dennis Koslow, living in Vienna, Austria, UM's chamber choral members and UM chorale students on a European choir tour including CEOs and executive directors of global organizations like Melissa Kilby, the CEO of Girl Up in Washington DC, Brigitta Miranda Freer executive director of the Montana World Trade Center Chris Hislop, executive director of the Montana World Affairs Council and Eamon Fahey, deputy director of the International Rescue Committee and Mike Smith from the Missoula Broadcasting Company, who turned the tables and microphones twice, featuring a Missoula German voice on International Voices. Those of you who are regularly tuned in to International Voices know, being of German descent, I usually sign off with a German farewell, and this time is no different. From the bottom of my heart, Dankeschön schön fürs Zuhören.